This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Brian Chaffin from the Mac Observer, tech journalist Rob Pegarero, and Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy from Macworld. All this and more this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com, and we're here to talk about the eternal question that people around the world have been wondering about, or at least two or three of them, and that is... Who is going to be the next CEO for Microsoft? As most of you know, Steve Ballmer said some weeks back that he would leave the company within up to a year. So, of course, people have been talking about who might replace him. And now there's a story over at Reuters suggesting that the shortlist has been made shorter. But I'm wondering about these candidates. Brian? It's good to be here, Gene. Thank you. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, so Reuters says that Microsoft has gone from 40 people down to five, including three outsiders and two insiders. Although one of those outsiders really is a is also an insider, but I guess we'll get to that. I, I don't know about any of these candidates. It doesn't seem like it's an awesome list to me. Let's discuss these people now. The one you're talking about who was an outsider, who's now an insider, is a former Microsoft executive, Stephen Elop. And Stephen Elop, of course, left Microsoft to head Nokia. And what happened then? Well, Nokia makes a deal with Microsoft to be first among equals for the Windows phone platform. And now that Microsoft is acquiring the handset division for Nokia, Elop's back within the company. So, yeah, it's kind of strange. Yeah, he... I don't know if Nokia was salvageable by anyone at the point that Elop went over there, but the reality is is he failed it at Nokia. He did not save the company. He didn't turn it around. The company's Windows Phone strategy has largely been a non-starter. The things that uh, Nokia is focused on under him um, haven't taken off with consumers. So, you know, that's quite the pedigree there, sir. So why would you take a person who is a failed executive, which is very important. This guy's a failure. He took over a company and he ran into the ground and had to be sold at fire sale prices. Well, to be fair, to be fair, it had already been run into the ground. Um, Nokia was blindsided by uh, iOS and Android and reacted very, very slowly and tried to write itself and could not. And then that's when Elop was brought in. You know, he was only brought in in 2010. So basically, we're saying here that Elop didn't have enough time to fix Nokia. Well, that's the excuse. I, yeah, I, I think I think it's. Um, I'm going to nitpick just a little bit. It's not that he didn't have enough time. I don't know that anybody could have had enough time. But the reality is, is that he didn't succeed. So, I mean, you know, it was probably a doomed mission in the first place. And I would assume all along. 
probably Steve Ballmer had in mind the idea that uh, you know that the Elop would come back and replace him. It's it's hard, it's impossible to know, but kind of seems to make sense to me. Okay, but looking at Elop, is he a person who you think would be the person who has the vision to take over Microsoft and fix what ails it, or is he part of the problem? Yeah, uh, you know. That's got such a good question, Gene, um, because it, it's really hard to know. So, like, let, let's look at the good things that Nokia has done under ELOP. It has continued to uh, develop interesting hardware. You know, their industrial design didn't copy anybody's, you know, uh, looking at you, Samsung. They did do some innovative stuff with cameras, although I personally think that they've been focusing on the wrong things, especially when you compare. Uh, to the things that Apple has focused on, but they, I mean, you know, they did things and those things didn't work with consumers, which is a lot better than not doing much of anything, which is kind of what BlackBerry's been doing, right? So if you contrast what Nokia has done to what BlackBerry has done, Stephen Elop is probably, uh, uh, you know, probably does have a better track record. But God, does he really have the vision? I I don't know, man. I I don't know if anyone within Microsoft can be pegged as having a lot of vision at this point. And you wonder here, don't they need somebody who has a vision? Somebody who could look at the company, devise a plan to fix what ails it, and that gets back to the original thing. Okay, Stephen Elop is one guy. The other guy is the fellow who took over Ford and did a pretty decent job, although he did make a deal with Microsoft for this My Ford Touch that's been an unholy disaster. But he may be a guy who jumps to Microsoft. So he, he was the CEO of Boeing, and he left Boeing and he went to Ford. And he's been at Ford since 2006. And Ford has done really, really well under this guy. Really well. Ford was the only major uh, American car company that didn't take a bailout from the U.S., and they didn't need it. And, uh, you know, sales have been through the roof. Quality has has greatly improved. Uh, Except for the uh, Microsoft design yes. software. Yes. But, you know, <laughs> it, goes to, it goes to Microsoft. Anyway, yes, I, I completely agree with you. And, and that has not been a big success. And I doubt that it could ever be a big success. But it hasn't stopped Ford from doing really well. But the interesting thing about this guy is that he's, he's not a tech guy. And he's even older than the founders of Microsoft. And, you know, on the one hand, um, you know, some people may say, hooray, experience. And other people may say, hey, he's got outside eyes. He's got fresh eyes. He can, you know, he can, he, he's not mired in the, you know, the constructs and, and paradigms of Microsoft's existing business strategies. But at the same time, you know, how equipped is this guy going to be to, to to have a technology vision and be able to make choices and be able to make deals and you know wh- wh- where are his chops his tech chops maybe he's got them and I don't know about them that's certainly possible but I find him to be a curious choice for the shortlist also we talk about age and obviously we don't want to say that somebody who's in his 60s is not capable of running a multinational corporation. The question is here is that wouldn't you want young people with young ideas? Maybe get somebody a lot younger to get in there. Remember, Microsoft is living on the vision that was established by a guy in his 20s. It's 
yeah, a failed vision, but yeah, it's true. And I am, I am by no means an ageist. I very much respect my elders. Um, uh, you know, I, I guess I was raised to, to, to do that. I absolutely love the idea of experience. I, I look at what I know today compared to what I know, knew in my twenties. And, and all I could say was that I was a, not very smart when I was younger. And the reason why I mentioned his age in the first place was not because of a bias that I have, but rather a bias that technology has. Technology is very much a young person's game. You know, it's the, um, at least in terms of, uh, uh, of executive success stories. And, you know, he's, uh, I read this in um, CNET. He's three years past the mandatory retirement age for Intel. He's 68 then. Yeah. Okay. So, I, um, you know, and abilities or no abilities, would his age actually be a detriment in terms of getting the rest of the young technology world's respect and, uh, uh, and consideration? Well, it's, you know, you kind of wonder here thing. if we talk about this any longer, all of our listeners who are over 60 are going to write us and say, why are you saying this about older people? Well, I'm not exactly young either. I'm neither but I'm I. thinking here in terms of taking a company that has serious problems in terms of future strategy and turning it around. And wouldn't that turn around artist be someone who's younger? And we'll go into this more in the next segment with Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. But one of the other people on the short list is the guy who headed Skype. Obviously, he's a younger guy, and we'll talk more about him in a moment. Brian Chaffin, of course, is from the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. But me, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. 
Welcome back to Secrets to Saving. Jen, you're saving $300 a month. What's your secret? Sam, I called the National Mortgage Connection. They connected me with a great lender who refinanced my home loan into a much lower rate. Plus, they didn't charge me any closing costs, no escrow fees, no origination fee, and no credit report fee. Let's go to Chuck now. I called National Mortgage Connection, too. I also refinanced into a lower rate, and now I'm saving around $3,000 a year. And they refinanced me even though I was underwater on my mortgage. It's no secret that a lower interest rate means a lower payment, which means you save money. And saving is sexy. With record low rates, you've got to call NMC now. They're a referral service that connects homeowners with a pre-screen lender offering no closing cost loans. And you can refi even if you're underwater. Call 866-507-2055. 866-507-2055. 866-507-2055. A healthy digestive system supports a healthy immune system. And a healthy immune system protects you against infections and disease. Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse, available at Terragonics.com, is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic and is gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM1 contains three groups of beneficial microbes and enzymes to cleanse and remove toxins, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, and aids in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, is non-GMO, has all natural certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is never freeze-dried. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terragonics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terragonics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer joins us. We've been talking about the shortlist, or at least the alleged shortlist, from Reuters, who might become the next CEO of Microsoft after Balmer leaves. And I suspect they'd like to see him out as soon as possible. So we've mentioned the current CEO of Ford, the guy from Nokia who came from Microsoft, and now we've got the guy from Skype. Tony Bates. Hey, Tony's a younger guy. Tony's a younger guy, yeah. Skype is a good product. It's a flawed product and a good product all at the same time. You know, it's, it's funny. I often curse Skype um, for its little foibles. There's a lot of magic it does under the hood, too. But I don't know if Tony Bates has the... Yeah, well, this, this getting, back, getting back to experience versus age, Microsoft is a huge company. And it's, I mean, it's, a, it's a massive company. It has uh, some 90,000 employees, maybe, maybe a few more. That was actually of a couple of years ago. Uh, 25,000 of whom, by the way, are marketing and salespeople. But, you know, that's another, that's another discussion. And uh, does someone like Tony Bates have the ability and experience to manage such an incredibly large company? Someone like uh, Mulally from um, Ford, with all of his experience, he absolutely has that kind of, kind of uh, ability. 
And the next one is someone with cloud and enterprise experience, Satya Nadella. Is that the way it's pronounced? Satya Nadella. It works for me. Well, I don't know. I'll just go with that. I don't know either. I'll get a phone call from Satya saying, okay, we're going to send people after you because you mispronounced my name. All right. So what do we know about this person? Uh, He's been Microsoft's cloud and enterprise uh, head honcho. Uh, You know, that's, that's an area where Microsoft makes a lot of money. I don't know much about his, uh, I mean, clearly he's a good administrator at the very least because cloud and enterprise does make plenty of money for Microsoft. Whether or not he has any vision, I have no idea. I'd, I've never heard much about the guy and that, you know, sort of, I don't know, says something a little bit. It being one of the internal guys at Microsoft, I don't see how he's going to be able to do much to change the company. All right, the stats here is he was born in 1969, making him roughly 44 years of age. And then also, he joined Microsoft originally in 1992. So it's 21 years experience, so therefore, a long tenure at Microsoft. The question would be, of course, does he bring new ideas? It comes back to the same thing. You bring somebody who's an existing executive at Microsoft, how do you get a new vision? What are they looking for? What is the bill of materials for the next CEO, that they want someone who just carry out the existing strategy and just maybe have better organizational chops or whatever and know how to manage things, or will they bring someone in who's able to look at what's going on and do a Steve Jobs? Steve, the programs that Microsoft has that aren't working, say, well, the service is no good. Let's give it back to third parties or whatever. Are they going to double down with Windows 8? Now, that's one thing, too. There was a new strategy organizational chart for Microsoft some weeks before they announced that Steve Ballmer was leaving. So do you undo those changes? Does a new executive come in and say, you're buying Nokia? That's stupid. Well, uh, it's too late for that. Um, Well, that's the thing. Are they really constraining the new executive by having done these things in a short period of time before the current CEO is going to be replaced? That that is a really good question, and it also it also brings uh, up the fact that Steve Ballmer is going to remain on the board, and Bill Gates is going to remain chairman. There is a little bit of pressure for both of those guys to go away and get out of the way, and uh, which is you know it's <laughs> I say a little bit of pressure, and it's just that it's a little bit. I don't think that the majority of people want Bill Gates to go away as chairman. Well, maybe Uh, that's a good idea. Maybe that's the biggest idea of all. The most positive thing that could happen would be for all the legacy Microsoft people to pack up and leave for the good of the company. Yeah, I I think a tremendous argument can be made about that. You know, like someone new coming in could well want to part Microsoft out, uh, break it up and, you know, refocus uh, what was left into a uh, company that can go into the future. But, you know, remember that Microsoft is making more money than ever. Microsoft is is still doing well on a balance sheet basis, despite the company's tremendous failure so far in mobile. And, and you know, that that sort of continued success is, is why Steve Ballmer isn't being run out uh, uh, on a rail. Or what's, the, what's, the, what's that phrase? 
Well, given the boot is the way I would say it, but yeah, it's, it's why he's not being given the boot. It's why Steve, uh, Bill Gates isn't also being given the boot. Um, you know, the, the company still makes a ton of money, but it's all, you know, it's all sort of this, this weird, uh, momentum and inertia. Inertia is even a a much better word here, uh, of all their legacy stuff that still makes money at some point that's going to end. And that's why they need the new vision. And obviously Apple is hastening that or trying to by introducing a free office suite for Mac and iOS. People can complain that maybe iWork lost some features along the way, but Apple says they'll restore at least some of those. But Apple's giving away free stuff and giving away free OS and Microsoft. That's what they make their profits from. It's it's true. I am of the school. I do not believe that free iWork is a real threat to Office. My uh, iWork has never been priced to compete with Office, and it's never had the feature set to compete with Office. And to a large degree, it is aimed at completely different target markets. So I think that Apple giving it away isn't going to affect um, isn't going to affect uh, uh, Office's strength, which is uh, in business in the enterprise. Well, the fact is here, of course, that iWork can read Office documents with various degrees of fidelity. But for most people, even business users, which is unusual in itself, the features iWork offers, even now with pages on a restricted feature set, that's most of what people need. Businesses will still require Office for traditional compatibility and for features that are very important to them that are not present in iWork. But most people, that's all they need. We can get into that more or less without ever resolving anything. I know that at this point, when do you think they're going to make a decision, Microsoft as to the new chief executive, if they're down to four people, it's got to be weeks away. Well, there's the fifth guy, Mike Lowry from computer science corporation corp. Okay. Actually, I don't don't know if it's corporation or corp, but um, I, I I don't know much about him other than the fact that he is known as a turnaround artist. Uh, He is from the tech industry. Um, I think when you're looking at bringing in someone like that, that's when you've really got to question uh, Bill Gates still being the uh, chairman. Because uh, remember, everything that uh, Steve Ballmer has done has, has been done with the blessing of, of Bill Gates uh, for good and for ill. So uh, I, I, he's the most interesting person on this list to me. I, I don't know a ton about him, but and, knowing and you know that what? Let's find out a ton about him in our next segment, or at least what little we do know. Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. 
Attack of the Rockoids, and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. <laughs> but don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA four-herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3, 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain, normally $26.95, now just $20. Herbalhealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click the Winter Specials button to save on our natural cold and flu-fighting products. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer joins us. We're speculating a bit here on who the next CEO might be. We've talked about the four candidates. Would you say candidate number five is a turnaround artist? What else do we know about him? Well, he, like I said, he comes from the from Computer Science Corporation. 
It's a, a, a large enough company. He has got the reputation of being a turnaround artist. Uh, he certainly knows technology. I fully acknowledge that it may be because I don't know a lot about him, but he is the most interesting person on this list to me. So we have to see what direction Microsoft takes in trying to fix the company, make it run more efficiently, get rid of the problems. Time will tell. Okay, so we all know about the NSA and government asking the various tech companies, telecommunications companies for stuff. And Apple released a statement about the stuff the government asked them to provide. What can you tell us? It's called the uh, Report on Government Requests, and it details, at least as far as Apple is allowed, um, the number of requests that Apple got for customer information or customer accounts uh, from January 1st of 2013 to June 30th, so the first half of the year. There's a lot of of really interesting things in it. Um, the, the first thing that caught my eye and this, this ended up forming the basis of, of my own coverage, uh, of the topic is that Apple made the point that their business model isn't about collecting our data. You know, that that's, that, that they're not, they have no incentive to amass uh, massive amounts of information about us. And the subtext there is if you're really concerned about what the government is, uh, prying into uh, why don't you just start with who you're doing business with and the other companies that are unnamed but specified here are google and facebook and to a lesser extent yahoo and even microsoft all right so we know what they're doing we can argue about whether it's good or bad or whether we need to throw away a few laws in washington uh yes um the part of this report makes me furious and embarrassed all at the same time um apple shows us this chart with a number of requests it's gotten from other countries and from the united states and the first thing is that uh gag orders tied to these requests may uh, say that apple can only reveal numbers in increments of a thousand so if it's one, it's a range of zero to a thousand. If it's fifteen hundred, it's a range of of a thousand to two thousand. And I I don't understand what sort of national security benefit that sort of nonsense has, but I I suspect that it has no benefit whatsoever. And it's really embarrassing that in the land of the free, the the place where where freedom of the press is supposed to mean something, the place where freedom of speech is supposed to mean something that uh, the one country on Apple's list that, that is not specific about the number of requests that Apple has received is the United States of America. You compare that to China, the you know communist dictatorship, communist capitalist dictatorship, um, there's, uh, there, Apple has received six requests for customer data. You look at uh, the UK, it's uh, something like 120 requests. Germany, it's 93. Spain, it was 123, I think it was, or 112, that was it. And um, uh, yet Apple says the United States has given uh, it uh, somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 such requests, more than 10 times the the next country. So much for freedom. Yeah, and and that lack of specificity is insulting and not 
and again, Apple's hands are tied by gag orders. It, the mere fact that we have gag orders on this stuff in, in our country drives me bananas, Gene. It just drives me bananas. I don't understand it. I don't like it. It's un-American. Maybe we should all pitch for repealing the Patriot Act. I, hooray. Let's yeah, let's start there. Let's start there and then and then let's rebuild it with sensible uh sensible uh, uh laws that allow our intelligence services to collect data and information when it's needed and where it's appropriate and uh that still respects the rule of law and still respects the the fact that that uh, uh you're supposed to have a warrant to be able to get stuff. That's what I'd like to see. Well, this is one of the issues here when you have a law that's passed under a state of panic you create a state of panic we need to have this law now 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 and therefore you hoodwinked most of congress into approving it they reissued it they revised it with obviously a great percentage of people from both parties i don't know they talk about abuse of government power well we know the nsa is listening to us especially now that we mentioned them they probably have a computer where someone says NSA, NSA, and suddenly their computers perk up. It's possible. It is possible. Uh, it, it, this, the report was really interesting. And there was um, one point that I didn't make, but some other people noticed. And I, I think it's really important. And um, that's the warrant canary. Did you see anything on that? Which one was this? It's, uh, so they're calling it a warrant canary. Where Apple, at the very end of its report, says, we have received no requests under Section 215 of the uh, USA Patriot Act. Um, uh, and what's interesting about that is that had Apple received any requests, and, and this is a very, very broad, Section 215 allows for the collection of uh, information that may be useful or may be relevant, sorry, may be relevant to an investigation. Right, which is incredibly broad. Uh, the, the, the contents of, 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 of my messy desk may be relevant. The contents of uh, you know, the neighbor's trash can may be relevant. I mean, the point is, is that may be relevant effectively covers everything. And it's this really broad request. And Apple has said that it's received none of those. But the thing is, had Apple received one, it couldn't mention it because there's a gag order that's even tighter on that. So Apple could say they never received one, but they did. No, they, no, Apple cannot. Apple cannot acknowledge it if they did. Okay, so, so it's therefore they could say they, they haven't received any, and they could be lying, but they can't admit they did. It's very confusing. No, no, it's the other way around, though, Gene. It's, okay. it's it's in a future report. If Apple doesn't mention this, it means that it did receive a request. Aha. Uh-huh. So, so if you say no, you know you didn't get it. If you say nothing, you know you probably did. Exactly. Ew. So there's a couple of technology companies have done this. They have issued these statements, and they're calling them warrant canaries, you know, the canary in the coal mine reference, uh, where they say that they haven't, they haven't done anything so that people can look in the future. And if they stop mentioning that, they'll know that they have received that request. And, you know, what it necessarily means if Apple even does get a request is uh, is up for people who know more than me to talk about. But uh, it's it's interesting that Apple adopted this, this strategy on this particular topic. 
Okay. There is a law that's gotten approval in the U.S. Senate. We can go into that. It's called ENDA, and it's supposed to ban workplace discrimination. It's called the Employment Non-Discrimination Act, and especially would make it illegal to discriminate against people who are gay or fit into any of those categories LGBT in the workplace. Now, ahead of this, in a very rare act, Apple's Tim Cook actually wrote an editorial for no less than the Wall Street Journal, which would probably oppose such a law, being that they lean conservative. He wrote an editorial advocating for the passage of this. We're going to discuss what this means, if it would pass, but also the potential fallout in the current rather crazy political climate here in the U.S. And those of you who live in other countries are probably figuring we're all wacky now. We're all pretty crazy. <laughs> Speaking of that, we have the wacky Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer and the super wacky Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Pills, pills, pills. If you've tried to fix your ED with pills or supplements, listen up. My name's Matt Cook with GetEDSolutions.com, and I've developed a system that often fixes ED from home naturally, without medical intervention. How does it work? My system addresses the root cause of most ED, which is desensitization. Desensitization is not your fault, but it's the number one reason men get embarrassed around women. The more they try, the more things don't work, and the solution is to fix desensitization through simple activities you do from home. I purchased your product yesterday and it was fantastic. I have used your system for about three weeks and I'm already seeing great results. If you're one of the 52% of men who suffer from ED, you must visit GetEDSolutions.com for a special report and video that shows you how to fix ED from home fast without pills or supplements. Visit GetEDSolutions.com for my special report and video on fixing ED at home. GetEDSolutions.com. That's GetEDSolutions.com. GetEDSolutions.com. An e-cig revolution is sweeping across the country. But is yours American-made? Vapriate e-liquid by Le Cig is. 
Manufactured in Arkansas with 100% USA-sourced ingredients. And when you buy American, you support local jobs. Vapriate e-liquid by LaSig is top quality at an affordable price. The very principle that once drove the American economy. Get great taste with no ash, tar, or smoke. You'll be wondering why you didn't make the change to Vapriate e-liquid by LaSig a long time ago. LaSig.com has everything you need for beginners to the advanced vaping enthusiast with a wide variety of hardware and also imported e-liquid flavors as well. Plus, LaSig smokes the competition with fast, free, same-day shipping, real people customer service, and a 30-day satisfaction guarantee. Support our country and become a Vapriate at LaSig.com or call 870-525-1440, 870-525-1440. LaSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Hey, gang, as you can imagine, living with the moniker America's Mr. Right can be kind of tough at times. But you know what? It's easy to live up to the challenge when you're feeling good. Hi, everybody. I'm Jason Lewis, and that's why I watch what I eat and supplement my diet with great products from Longevity, like their great vitamin mineral complex drink or a protein shake or my favorite probiotic dark chocolate packed with antioxidants. You know, I love these products, and I'll bet you will, too. And now you can get them all at jasonlewisteam.com. Now, look, these are just the things I like from Longevity, but if you're looking for, a, say, a sports drink endorsed by an NBA All-Star or a shot of Pollen Burst, the best energy drink on the market, it's all here, too. All you have to do is go to jasonlewisteam.com or call 1-855-310-TEAM. Now, that's 1-855-310-TEAM. Get all these products and more and feel like America's Mr. Right. It's jasonlewisteam.com. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Owl Live, Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer joins us. Wacky? I don't know. I know I'm wacky. In any case, so it's the ENDA is the employee... Non-Discrimination Act. So Tim Cook writes the editorial for the WSJ. Yes, he's he's arguing that Apple Apple has has adopted uh, a completely non-discriminatory uh, um, environment within the company that, uh, and he says that that's been good for Apple. And he said that when if employees have to check who they are when they walk into the door. They can never be the, their best selves, as he puts it, or their whole selves was the actual phrase he used. And his argument is that when you're when you're requiring people to hide who they are at work, you're never going to get their best. And that, that doesn't make any sense, and it's good for business, and that we should pass this law. And again, the subtext that that I took out of his uh, out of his column was. So you know, uh, let's pass this and and move on because it's it's ridiculous that we're still uh, wasting time uh, worrying about these things. Okay, so what's happened here is the Senate approved it, but like so many other laws, the Senate approves like the immigration bill. We figure that in the House, it's going to die a very fast death. It's very it is very likely to to die. Uh, it's it's actually likely to never be taken up, uh, to never be put to a vote in the House. 
Uh, I would really be surprised if it was uh, with the current uh, House, at the very least. I support this law. I believe that it's a good idea. Um, so there's there's my bias. Um, it's kind of of a surprise that the Senate was able to pass it because it required a couple of Republicans uh, not um, uh, not supporting uh, not not uh, supporting a, 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 a filibuster. As we know, the Senate is effectively right now requires a supermajority uh, that's sixty percent uh, as opposed to just a simple majority. Uh, to pass anything, uh, because the Republican Party has has adopted a very obstructionist uh, viewpoint where they will filibuster anything that they don't care for. And for this law to have passed the Senate, a couple of Republicans had to join in, and I'm, I'm quite proud of them for having done so. I, I do think that this sort of uh, regulation is is good for business. I I do think that that as a country we will and need to get past the point where one's sexual orientation is an issue. This is certainly something where a lot of Silicon Valley companies tend to be very Liberal. progressive about this attitude. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And it's, and it's actually one of the reasons why Silicon Valley has more of a reputation of being progressive and liberal than it, than any, than it even is because of these social issues. You know, you know, Apple is still a major corporation. Google is still a major corporation. Facebook is still a major corporation. These people have shareholders. These people are beholden to their bottom line, not to their own uh, internal politics. And, you know, capital is still the rule here in Silicon Valley. But because some of these companies, especially companies like Apple, have such progressive attitudes about these things, uh, you know, a lot of people perceive them as being uh, more, quote unquote, liberal than they actually are. All right. So we kind of figure here at the chances that this law will ever come to be, at least in this Congress are little to none. Yeah, I, I would imagine that's the case. All right. Let's move on. Now, just to let you know here, I live very near a certain road in Mesa, Arizona, where Apple is basically funding creation of a plant that will build Sapphire-based products. And we see that, of course, the lenses used for the iPhone. We see that in the Touch ID sensor. So this plant will require 1,300 people to build it. Actually, there's an existing plant there. They're going to just rebuild it. And supposedly the first year, which will be next year, some 700 people will be working there. Now, on the positive side of the ledger, before we discuss anything else, this means Apple is putting more stuff in the USA. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And it's, um, if I remember correctly, Gene, you're a watch guy. Am I correct? Yeah. And I, I'm also a watch guy. And so I first started studying about Sapphire when I realized that watch crystals, high-end watch crystals, are made out of Sapphire. Uh, and I was so intrigued by that notion, I, I, I wanted to learn about it as much as I could. And uh, so it's, it's fantastic to, to actually have my uh, my my. OCD interest uh, be able to become relevant for something that I do in my day job, uh, but this the sapphire stuff is it, it's it's a really interesting uh, it's a really interesting material, and the fact that Apple is app so Apple's loaning this company called GT Advanced Technology five hundred and seventy eight million dollars that's more than half a billion dollars to buy equipment 
that GTAT will then own and operate within Apple's factory. So Apple owns the factory. GTAT owns and maintains and uses and operates the equipment um, and will end up paying back Apple over a period of five years. Um, uh, this is this is the sort of thing that Apple has been doing in Asia for a long time. We normally don't get all the details because they're not uh, the, 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 those countries aren't subject to U.S. disclosure laws. So you know now we see Apple doing what it does so well, which is taking its huge cash hoard and um, using it to um, to hone and shape its supply chain in exactly the way that it wants to do by in this case, owning the factory and financing the guys who are going to buy it. And this may be just the first of a number of efforts of this nature. It it could be. I I don't even think this plant, I don't think this plant is going to be solely dedicated to GTAT's use. It wouldn't surprise me if Apple ends up processing the sapphire material in this plant as well, but they they could end up doing other things as well. I, I, I don't know that this plant is limited to the sapphire production is my point. I had heard they might use some sapphire-based materials for displays on the iPhone and iPad, and that means, of course, the Gorilla Glass that's being used now. Maybe phase yeah, back. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. So right now... But remember, sapphire- Gorilla Glass is in Kentucky. So it's yes. still American-made. It's true. So right now, Apple uses sapphire, which is uh, – it's not a glass. It's, it's, it's synthetic sapphire. It's synthetic gemstone. It's actually grown. Um, and and it, if you see it, it gets pr- produced in these big globs called buels, which is just what the industry calls an ingot of this stuff. And uh, it, it looks very similar to glass, and it's as clear as glass, but it's not actually glass. And Apple currently uses it to cover Touch ID sensors on the iPhone 5S. And it uses it for covering the uh, lens on um, at least the iPhone 5S and possibly some other iOS devices as well. None of which seems to be enough to require this, this uh, uh, you know, almost a billion dollar uh, in, investment in, in, this, uh, in, this, in this factory that, that they're building in your, in your neck of the woods. So it does beg the question, what else does Apple plan to, uh, to do with it? But I don't think it's going to be covering iOS, the current iOS devices. You know, Sapphire is very hard. It's very rigid. And Gorilla Glass is, uh, is hard, but it's got an, enough flexibility that it's very well suited for being a display cover. But I don't think that Sapphire is and I don't think Sapphire would work as well for touchscreens either, although I, I, I'm, I'm not an expert on this. To me, this is about some uh, future wearables product, i.e. the iWatch. And I think it makes a lot more sense to have Sapphire covering that than it does an iPhone or an iPad. Ah, the iWatch. So you expect one next year? Yeah, I'm expecting whatever it is that we okay. We know at a hundred percent that Apple is doing something in wearables. The the, the at least I'm calling it a hundred percent. The rumors of everything that Apple is doing in this space are way too solid. You know, after doing that, I've been doing this for 14 years. The rumors that we've had are are just like I say, a hundred percent that Apple is doing something in this space. 
it's probably going to be worn on the wrist. That's based on what Tim, Tim Cook has said. And, uh, uh, and my point is this. Whatever is the source of Tim Cook's comments about being interested in the wrist, and whatever the source of all the rumors about what Apple is working on and the people that they've hired to, to do these things, whatever is at the source of these stories, I believe will come out in 2014. All right. We have Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited-time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open-pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer joining us, I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. So we're talking about this sapphire fabrication plant that Apple is funding for Mesa, Arizona. It's going to be solar-powered, I gathered. It's going to be probably about a mile from a big shopping center that has Walmart and everything, so people can get their food there. I don't live <laughs> far from it. That's why I know the place. I really know where this place is. So I live not far from where Apple has their chips built by Intel and Chandler. And, of course, we have this in Mesa, Arizona. Any case, see, I know things. Now, speaking of things, we have the iPad Air, which came out. And 
as of the time we do the show, we don't know how many apples sold, which kind of surprises me because I heard that sales were pretty good. But we haven't gotten any preliminary sales figures from Apple, which is strange. Does that concern you at all, Brian? Uh, no, it doesn't concern me. I think that um, I think that if the weekend had been had been disappointing, that Apple would want to mention that from a, from a, having a material impact on the company's results. It doesn't concern me that they didn't, but I would like to know. And it does seem that sales have been good. This this product has been universally received and universally praised. Um, you know, it was the best tablet uh, ever made. So, um, I, you know, Tim Cook said that he thought it was going to be an iPad Christmas, and and I think that he's right. And when the iPad Mini with Retina Display is mentioned or, or was released uh, uh, later this month, it's going to be it's going to be good. The question being, of course, whether they can get enough iPad Minis to fill demand. But for $100 more, you get the bigger screen, so maybe it doesn't matter. So right now we have a situation here where the iPad Mini with Retina Display is going to be three-quarters of a pound. The iPad Air is a pound. The difference is not that severe. No, it's it's not. But you say that, and the difference between the iPad 3 and the Air is half a pound. Considerable, and yeah. From what I've, I, I haven't actually held the air myself yet, but uh, the, those people that I know who have had them, almost all of them had iPad 3s, and they say it's a night and day difference. So maybe that three quarters of, or maybe that quarter of a pound from the mini to the air will be, I don't know. I, it's interesting how these, these dynamics play out when you're actually holding them in your hand. Well, the thing is, they made them look very much the same. Yes. You see two members of the same family. And that's important from a design consideration because now you could look at them and say, all right, they're the same, the same processor. Performance is going to be roughly the same. So same which resolution. one do I buy? Well, it's $100 difference. So I can choose, unless that $100 makes a difference to me, I can choose on the basis of size. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because what Apple has done, for one thing, you know, the same processor, uh, largely the same cameras, the same... Um, uh, the same the resolution, although different a different physical size on the display, but the same resolution, the same configuration options. You know, it's what's happened is that you no longer have to make a sacrifice if you want the small size of the iPad Mini. Um, the flip side is that uh, you're not you're also not having to make a sacrifice, as, as you alluded to, you're not having to make a sacrifice of of something that's big and bulky if you want to get the bigger one. So, you know, you truly can decide uh, based strictly on whichever form factor you happen to like. And now that Apple's made a more productive tool by putting the apps on there that are free. So you have iLife, you have iWork. The iWork app on an iPad is very much the same as the iWork app on a Mac, which is interesting. And we went into this discussion before over whether business users are going to care or not, but I think Offering a complete solution out of the box makes this a far more usable product for more people. Well, it does. And when you put it that way, I, I, I readily concede the point. It, it certainly keeps Microsoft's ham-fisted and failed effort to make Office uh, a, a competitive advantage for Surface. Um, uh, it, keeps, it keeps Microsoft from even trying that failed strategy anymore. And, and you're right, it does. It absolutely makes it much more usable right out of the box. I, I just don't think that's going to put much of a, of a hurt on office sales. That's the difference. I don't know. That's something we're going to have to see here. Yes. How many people adopt it, especially as Apple adds more features back to iWork. 
let's let's discuss one more thing in this segment and the next one. Something I don't pretend to know much about, but you're somebody who's done a little bit of work figuring it out. We, of course, know about dollars and euros and pounds and all that. We know about PayPal. We know about all these ways of handling money with the existing monetary systems. And now we've got an all-digital monetary system called Bitcoin. Now, for those of our audience who have no idea what I mean, Brian Chaffin, what is Bitcoin? Well, Bitcoin is uh, technically it's called a cryptocurrency. Uh, It is a currency that is outside the control of any government, any one person even. Um, It is instead under the control of an entire network of people using it and who are all responsible for confirming the transactions of other users. It's it's a really interesting concept to me. uh, both from the way the coins are produced, from the way that uh, they can be valued and and subdivided, uh, the 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 fact that for Bitcoin the last fraction of a Bitcoin will be produced in twenty one thirty seven, uh, two years before my science fiction novel begins, I might add. Uh, that's entirely coincidental, and um, uh, and 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 how the coins get. Get produced is is so interesting. Uh, how much how much information do you want? Well, all right. I just want to know how you compare this to regular money because the problem I've seen with Bitcoin is that the value, the cash value, is not yet consistent. Correct. Uh, it's very early. Bitcoin is about five years old, and it's really only gained uh, widespread attention. And, and widespread is relative here. In the last uh, two years, maybe two and a half years. Because of that, the value is and, – and it's also a relatively small um, total market cap. I think that the, the, there's a uh, – actually, we can actually figure this out because we have the means. Uh, I believe that the market cap of the entire currency is under $3 billion. So we have 12 million coins times 300 bucks. Uh, looks like it's $3.6 billion the entire currency is worth. So it's it's very – Easily subject to uh, wild swings. Uh, as a matter of fact, we've had a, a, a huge upsurge of uh, like $100 a coin in just the last two or three days, um, in part because the Wall Street Journal did a cover story on it. That's actually the, where most of that surge is coming from. Okay, but the issue here is if you want a monetary system, you're going to use it to buy goods and services. But if the price is volatile, more so than traditional currency, how do you peg a consistent value for a transaction? So if I want to buy a car, can I buy a car with Bitcoin? Well, you, you can. Um, you can't do it just anywhere. As a matter of fact, yeah, I don't know if there's a single dealership that's taking Bitcoins yet. But you can certainly buy stuff uh, uh, online with Bitcoins. There's, there's many, many places that are accepting Bitcoins, and it's increasing all the time. And generally speaking, the way it, it seems to be working right now is that the amount of Bitcoin that is traded is uh, the amount of Bitcoin in the currency of your choice. So, like, people in the U.S. would tend to trade Bitcoins based on its dollar value. People in Europe probably uh, based on its, European, its euro value. So, right now, it's definitely it's, – it's, it's, its value is measured in the currency of your choice. All right. But as I said, if the value is all over the place, 
how do you peg a consistent price on a product unless it lives entirely within the Bitcoin universe? I mean, if well, I want so- to go shopping for Bitcoin for groceries with my Bitcoin, does the store have to completely orient itself towards Bitcoin to be consistent? So one day, you know, I buy a pound of steak, it's this amount, and the next day it's half as much? Well, if you, right now, you, you can't, so you can't, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's, there are a lot of ifs. There's a lot of uncertainty about Bitcoin. It is not something that I would recommend anyone casually uh, get into, especially not with any real money. Um, uh, so let's, let's make that plain. Bitcoin. Hmm. Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources, Gold and Silver. Government shutdown, inept politicians, entitlements, looming Obamacare. The death of the U.S. dollar as a global reserve currency is what nobody wants to acknowledge. We have a debt bubble that cannot be paid and will eventually crash the dollar. If you're concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at one 800 686 2237 extension 130 together we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver again the global elite have plans for your money and it doesn't include you so call me gary cooper at 1-800-686-2237 extension 130 and we'll discuss your options of buying precious metals also i can send you information on how you can roll over your ira or 401k into a precious metal ira again don't get caught with money in your account when the dollar crashes Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pillow. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, taxhelponline.com. That's taxhelponline.com. 
It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. But don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA 4-herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain. Normally $26.95, now just $20. Herbalhealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit Herbalhealer.com and click the Winter Specials button to save on our natural cold and flu-fighting products. Herbalhealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Okay, Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer joins us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. And the topic of discussion is Bitcoin. I guess the issues I continue to have with it is the inconsistent value. So if you want it for goods and services, you know, how do you work that out? What if you want to work? And the guy says, I'll give you a Bitcoin a week or 10 Bitcoins for your services, whatever the value you peg for it is. How do you work in an environment where... Your labor is worth one amount this week and a totally different amount next week. So the the real issue there is is more often than not going to stem from the currency with which the product or service was produced. For instance, if you go to bitmit.net, which is sort of like an eBay where you can buy stuff with Bitcoin, everything is listed in Dollars. I'm actually looking at it in dollars. You can actually look at it whatever currency you want. Everything is listed in dollars, and then the Bitcoin value of those dollars is also listed next to it. Does okay, I'm sense? looking at that right now. I have it in front of me. This is bitmit.net. Yes. So, for example, high-performance gaming rig is $20 Bitcoin, which is equivalent to $5,631.20 U.S. dollar. Right. If they listed that in bitcoins, that dollar value is going to that dollar price is going to fluctuate. If they listed it in dollars, the bitcoin value is going to fluctuate, and that and the fluctuation being based on the current exchange rates. And it's designed this place, by the way, to look a bit like eBay. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like a you know dodgy looking eBay. I, I'm not vouching for Bitmit in any stretch of the imagination, but it's probably the largest place where people are buying and selling things with bitcoins. All right. But the key is, as I said, the way this works best is for you to be fully immersed within that system. Right now, it's very preliminary. It, it Well, yeah, it's sort of like the uh, it's it, it's either the end of the beginning or the 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 beginning of the middle. Um, you can kind of look at it either way. Uh, you know, so bitcoins are produced in blocks of 25 that are hidden within the mathematical equations 
that are used to verify the currents, to, to verify transactions. In, or, in, in other words, to A, confirm that uh, anonymous number A sent anonymous number B uh, X amount of Bitcoins, and then to make sure that those Bitcoins didn't get spent twice and to make sure that they actually wind up in the hands that they're supposed to be in. All of that is done by all these people, including me, who are running uh, mining gear that verifies these transactions, that does this math. And these blocks of coins get hidden within that math so that the people who are doing it get rewarded with their own Bitcoin uh, uh, rewards. Does that make sense? I'm trying to understand this. I'm still looking at it as something that has a very complicated setup. It is. It's very complicated. We're trying to figure a way to make it less complicated. Well, so the, the least complicated way of looking at it is this way. Bitcoin is an alternative currency, and because it's not yet subject to any kind of national regulation, uh, as a matter of fact, it it was designed to be utterly resistant to national regulation, there is a sort of, a lot of it is up in the air still. And you can trade your dollars or your euros or your pesos or your Canadian dollars or your pounds for bitcoins at various exchanges. Mount Gox, that's M-T-G-O-X, is the biggest one. And Bitstamp is probably the second biggest one. Okay. And So you can basically say, I'm be like gambling chips. I decide when I want to get involved in Bitcoin. I go ahead and convert my dollars to Bitcoin. And yes. then at some point in time, I may decide, well, I'm going to cash out. I'll go back to dollars. But of course, you want to do that when your Bitcoins are worth more, not when they're worth less. Right. From a speculating standpoint, yes. Now, the question is here, it sounds interesting, and I wonder also about the authorities in terms of taxes and everything else. How do you pay your taxes based on, well, I earned 300 bitcoins last year? Well, there's, of course, a a lot of people involved with bitcoins are looking to not pay taxes uh, illegally. Of course. Right. You are in the U.S. at the very least. You are required to pay. You're actually required to pay taxes on illegal drug sales in the U.S. You know, I mean, you're required to pay taxes on on profits in in our country. Which basically that's a gimmick, by the way. If they can't prove enough about your illegal drugs, they can always catch you on a tax violation. This goes back to Al Capone, where they couldn't basically convict him for killing anybody. Although everybody knew he did, but they caught him on the tax evasion. So there's tax evasion. So the same thing here is with Bitcoin. In theory, then, if you don't pay your taxes, the IRS can come after you if you have all your money in Bitcoin. On the other hand, are they even going to understand what you're doing? Um, maybe or maybe not. I, I don't know that I'd want to even pretend to uh, advise anyone on that particular issue. We're not um, we don't provide tax advice here, by the way. <laughs> exactly. A- and for and, that and many other reasons, most of which, of course, is that if you listen to us, you go broke. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, the, you know, B- Bitcoin. So there is a lot of illegal goods that are bought and sold with Bitcoin. Silk Road was uh, was the biggest place for this. Silk Road was a place where you could basically buy illegal drugs with your Bitcoins. And it was seen as one of the biggest purposes to which Bitcoin was being put to use. But that's not all you can do with Bitcoins by any stretch of the imagination. There are more and more places that are taking Bitcoins every day. All right. And this is something, of course, that we can't resolve today. But do you think there's a point at which 
Bitcoin can take over. Assuming people can be made to understand it. Right now, it's the heart of geekdom. You have to really be sophisticated about this to even understand the concept. And the only time it takes off is when regular people can just look at it and say, oh, Bitcoin, cool. I'll go with that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was ever designed to be a replacement for all other currencies uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I, they're, they're, I think so when everything is said and done, there will have been 22 million Bitcoins, 22 and a half, I think, to, uh, million Bitcoins produced. And the last fraction of one is not even going to be produced for, until 2137. And though it is subdividable up to currently eight, eight decimal places with another eight decimal places in reserve and other additional decimal places could be added at any given point, um, the, the, the reality is that uh, this is not going to be – it's not going to become a world currency. It's more like it's going to become um, – if it, if it doesn't fail, it will become a substantial alternative currency. Okay, unless E.T. lands and says, yeah, we use Bitcoins over on Alpha Centauri, that's it. Brian Chaffin, please tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff that you do. I am at MacObserver.com, of course, uh, where we talk about everything that's Apple-related. And you can find my blog at GeekTells.com. And on Twitter, I am TMO Brian. That's Brian with a Y. Okay, and if you have a question about Bitcoin, he might be the one to answer. Don't ask me. I have no idea what he's been talking about here. Not a clue. But I might try it anyway. We'll see what happens. Brian Chaffin, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me, Gene. I appreciate it. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Big business has discovered the preparedness market, and that makes it difficult to know where to go and who to trust. MyPatriotSupply.com is owned and operated by patriots just like you. Has the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more. MyPatriotSupply.com has old-fashioned values and the absolute best customer service in the industry. Look for the deal of the day, unique affordable survival 
survival supplies that fit anyone's budget. Get same-day shipping on all orders and free shipping on orders over $49. Call 866-229-0927, 866-229-0927, or visit MyPatriotSupply.com for emergency preparedness, self-reliance, and food independence. Shop with a name you know and a name you can trust. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com Welcome back to Secrets to Saving. Jen, you're saving $300 a month. What's your secret? Sam, I called the National Mortgage Connection. They connected me with a great lender who refinanced my home loan into a much lower rate. Plus, they didn't charge me any closing costs, no escrow fees, no origination fee, and no credit report fee. Let's go to Chuck now. I called National Mortgage Connection, too. I also refinanced into a lower rate, and now I'm saving around $3,000 a year. And they refinanced me even though I was underwater on my mortgage. It's no secret that a lower interest rate means a lower payment, which means you save money. And saving is sexy. With record low rates, you've got to call NMC now. They're a referral service that connects homeowners with a pre-screen lender offering no closing cost loans. And you can refi even if you're underwater. Call 866-507-2055. 866-507-2055. I have bought a few bottles of heart and body extract and have to say that it, it certainly does work. That's what Jack from Michigan had to say after his experience with heart pain and what he did to treat it with heart and body extract. I actually had a huge heart flutter. I was also having some edema around my ankles and very worrisome clot in my uh, right leg that would happen from time to time while I was trying to sleep. Heart and body extract is all natural with no negative side effects. It will help repair or correct past problems associated with the heart and body circulation. After my second bottle of heart and body extract, all problems are now gone. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. I ordered a third bottle of heart and body extract for maintenance as I want to keep everything working. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have tech journalist Rob Pegarero, longtime friend of the Tech Night Owl live, joining us with lots of things to talk about. And before we got started, I asked him one question, which... I guess we should bring up in a passing way, although our previous guests talked about it in more detail. And that is, Rob, with regard to these final or these alleged final candidates for the CEO of Microsoft, any of that indicate anything new for that company? Or are they just bringing in some seasoned executives who will keep things going the way they are now? Jan, I got to go with seasoned executives. I mean, fundamentally, it's not as if Microsoft is tragically off course. You know, they're doing some things right. I think Windows Phone is a pretty good operating system, not least because the carriers can't screw it up with bloatware and, and uh, their own interfaces. Um, you know, Windows 8 has gotten better with Windows 8.1. There, there's still the sort of fundamental mismatch that is it, it's both a, t- a touch-based tablet-friendly OS and also something you can put on any old desktop or laptop. 
you know, that's something they're going to have to work at over time. You know, their, their suite of cloud services has been looking a lot better over the last few months. So all in all, Microsoft isn't doing bad. <laughs> they could be worse. They could be BlackBerry. Oh, so is this the end of BlackBerry? I mean, that comes out, well, we're not yeah. going to do the go private. We're not going to sell to this uh, equity deal. And the CEO is gone. And was it now one of the co-founders of BlackBerry is involved? Unclear where they go next. I mean, they've got an enterprise business that's still there. They have some useful services that, you know, I don't use, but a lot of people do. But as far as if somebody's going to be a third way in the smartphone business, I don't think it's going to be BlackBerry. They had their chance and that's gone. So it's just going to be the technology that's left, if anything? Well, and the patents, you know, that's the, (laughs) my big fear is that BlackBerry will get bought up by Intellectual Ventures, the, the massive patent troll warehouse that uh, Nathan Revolt started up. And then these patents will be used to bother everyone else who is doing actual work in the smartphone business from now until not the end of time, but, you know, the next 20 years or so. And that's unfortunate because we have a company that, you know, contributed so much to the industry. And now, ugh. yeah, well, they, they they had their chance and they took a long time to sort of take the iPhone seriously. Remember the BlackBerry Storm? I'm one of the people who suffered through reviewing that phone. That was not a serious response to the iPhone. Yeah, well, I guess they thought it was serious. They thought a lot of things. So where we go now is it's Android, it's iOS, it's perhaps Windows Phone. And I guess you could see Firefox OS uh, getting a bit more share outside the U.S. It's easy to forget that you know here in, in America where most smartphones outside of T-Mobile are sold with no real hint of their true price, there, there isn't a lot of room in the market for a low-cost phone. But in the rest of the world, uh, hardware pricing is a little more independent of service charges. And in that sense, Firefox OS could do something useful. We'll have to see. I mean, it, it looked nice at Mobile World Congress in February. I have not had a chance to try out a Firefox OS phone since nobody, nobody's selling one in the U.S. You know, maybe they could be the, uh, the low-end alternative to get a lot of smartphone capabilities uh, at a feature phone price. Now, let's look at the industry as a whole. Now, this last financial report from Samsung indicated that about a third of the phones they sell are the so-called premium-priced smartphones, and the rest are the lower-cost stuff. And, of course, some people say Apple should get into that market, but that doesn't make a good ad for it. Right, yeah. Now, I, why would Apple get into the feature phone market again when they've never, you know, they never had a netbook? They've had one attempt at getting into the low-cost market in the last 10 years, the Mac Mini, which is now no longer that much of a low-cost computer. No, it doesn't really make sense to me. So, and- yeah, no, I think Apple, they're, they're doing well with their... Um, their their profit share strategy, you know, there was a lot of chatter about oh the 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 iPhone five C cost too much. You know, they made it do something about that at some point. Uh, I you cannot really say <laughs> their business model has you know huge holes in it. Yeah, I know what you're saying. The fact that Apple is doing very well, they're making plenty of money. iPhone sales were up twenty six percent year over year in the last quarter. And it seems that with the premium smartphones in Samsung's lineup, the sales were fairly flat. And maybe the Galaxy S4 hasn't been the barnstormer that some had expected it to be. 
Oh, that's already last year's phone. I don't know. I, yeah, I isn't know it what... last year? Come out in April and May, and it's last year's model. Think like last, about that. Yeah, last winter's phone. I, I'll be interested to see how sales of the, the Galaxy Note 3 have gone, because that, you know, is so much larger than the Galaxy Note 2, which I found too big, and that's bigger. That was bigger than the Galaxy Note, which I also found really uh, just a bit oversized. But obviously, people like these Inerma phones because there's a market for them, and my, my attempts to convince people otherwise seem to have fallen flat. So is that telling us here that Apple needs to get into that market? There's a lot of speculation about it. I don't, you know, I think that maybe I'm old-fashioned, but I think you should be able to use your smartphone one-handed. You know, and I have one, the Nexus 4, that is at the upper end of that. The Nexus 5, it's a 5-inch screen. I'd, I'd have to, like, try one firsthand, which I haven't been able to do yet. That seems to be really approaching, you know, laws of physics, limits of what is actually possible to use single-handed, which is an important use case if you're running through the airport, you're on the train, uh, you know, checking your phone at a bar. The, the idea that we're all just going to go back to two-handed use and use styluses, no. I, I don't see that at all. So maybe there'll be a, you know, four-and-a-half-inch screen iPhone. That would be a perfectly normal size, and I think it would do quite well. Six-inch iPhone, I kind of hope not. <laughs> yes, I think that's too much. And I had worked quite a bit of time with the Galaxy S4, the 5-inch phone, against the 4-inch iPhone 5S. And I thought I didn't lose anything going to the smaller form factor. Obviously, it's a lot easier to use with one hand. And the response I make to people who say, yeah, it's that big screen, that's great. I say, well, if you feel the iPhone screen is too small, hold it closer. <laughs> oh, you're telling them that they're holding it wrong? I don't think uh, that I'm may, just, uh, yes, of course. They're holding it <laughs> wrong. Hold it closer. That may not go over so well. No, I think really all, with all the arguments people have about screen size, there are much more useful things to argue about over just basic differences in functionality and usability. I was reading uh, John Gruber had linked to uh, the, the long testimony of a guy who's been an iOS user uh, for a long time and recently picked up an XS7, and he had some thoughtful comments on, this is what I like. This is actually a better way to do it in terms of just flexibility and ease of use, and here's some ways that iOS does things better. And I, I didn't read the comments, so I'm sure people accused him of selling out to one side or another for not declaring that iOS or Android is the best thing ever, and the other one just stinks. Well, we can't do that. You have to accept that a lot of these products do have their fans, and they do things that meet the needs of the public, and if they didn't, people wouldn't buy them. Right, you know, you can't say everyone's stupid because they use the wrong operating system. You can say, well, this is why I think iOS is better. This is right. why I think maybe Android is better. And maybe there are a few ideas there in Windows Phone. But looking at the third contender there with Microsoft. Yes. And maybe return back to the CEO thing very quickly. Now, if they hire the guy from Ford, Malawi, and he's done a great job at Ford. Yeah. Except for, of course, my Ford Touch, which uses Microsoft's technology. That's their touchscreen interface. But everything Maybe else, this you know, is what, what it really takes good. to get that fixed. You need a Ford guy to run Microsoft so they can get their <laughs> Microsoft-based Ford dashboard software working properly. All right. But the thing here I wonder about is you have this company which began as a youthful company with people around 20 years of age. 
And now you run it with a guy who is, what, 68? And I'm not saying that 68 is the wrong age to be for various reasons. But is that guy the right guy? Or maybe he is not of the generation who would even understand Microsoft that much. I'll ask you more about that in a moment. Rob Pegarero joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Pills, pills, pills. If you've tried to fix your ED with pills or supplements, listen up. My name's Matt Cook with GetEDSolutions.com, and I've developed a system that often fixes ED from home naturally, without medical intervention. How does it work? My system addresses the root cause of most ED, which is desensitization. Desensitization is not your fault, but it's the number one reason men get embarrassed around women. The more they try, the more things don't work, and the solution is to fix desensitization through simple activities you do from home. I purchased your product yesterday and it was fantastic. I have used your system for about three weeks and am already seeing great results. If you're one of the 52% of men who suffer from ED, you must visit GetEDSolutions.com for a special report and video that shows you how to fix ED from home fast without pills or supplements. Visit GetEDSolutions.com for my special report and video on fixing ED at home. GetEDSolutions.com. That's GetEDSolutions.com. GetEDSolutions.com. Nutritious food is real body armor. It builds muscle, burns fat, improves digestion, and feeds the entire body the nutrients it needs. Did you know the U.S. government banned the hemp plant from growing in the United States and classified it as a Schedule One drug to hide it behind the marijuana plant? People have been confused about this plant for over 80 years, and many still don't know what hemp is. So now you know hemp is not marijuana, and marijuana is not hemp. They are different varieties of the same species. Hemp you USA.org wants the world to know these basic facts and to help people understand that hemp protein powder is the best-kept health secret you need to know about. Remember, hemp protein powder contains 53% protein, is gluten-free, anti-inflammatory, non-GMO, and is loaded with nutrients. Call 888-910-4367, 888-910-4367, and see what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you only at HempUSA.org. 
You're fired. According to the Small Business Administration, 75% of small businesses plan to eliminate jobs or reduce workers' hours to part-time. You're fired. According to Gallup, the unemployment rate recently jumped to nearly 9%, and the underemployment rate hit a staggering 17.9%. You're fired. One out of three young adults and one out of two recent college graduates are underemployed. Hello, I'm Keith Abel, a pharmacist and a home business entrepreneur. In 2011, I became one of those statistics myself. Instead of looking for another job in corporate America, I joined Dr. Joel Wallet, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. We're creating steady incomes for ourselves and would like to show you how to do the same. If you want to supplement your current income, replace your income, so you don't have to become one of the statistics, then give me a call toll-free at 866-257-3105. 866-257-3105. You're fired. Don't wait till you hear those words. Start creating an extra income today. 866-257-3105. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. So if they hire the guy from Ford, Microsoft gets a seasoned executive who gets the job done. This guy does it right. We have to look at the experience with Ford. Didn't require any bailouts. Right. They did well, Rob Peguerero. Okay. But the guy is also a little past retirement age. So if you get him, it's going to be a short-term thing, maybe an interim chief executive to keep things going? Uh, the Sorry, I was, I'm about to betray my age. Does that make him the, the Konstantin Chernyenko of Microsoft? Something like that. <laughs> to be replaced by a Gorbachev later on? Well, you know, the point being here is if you – want to bring this company into the 21st century, wouldn't you want a chief executive with a vision who understands technology? Yeah, I don't know. I think vision is not you know confined to the young, of which I can't really place myself on that demographic. You need that. You need execution. I mean, one of the things Tim Cook is, is still doing very well at is just making sure products ship on time. That Well, I was going to say ship without bugs, but we can talk about that in a little bit. Um, you know, you, you, once he was brought on board Apple to run logistics, you no longer had popular new computers shipping and then instantly becoming out of stock or making way too much of a machine that people did not actually like all that much. Now it's a matter of getting enough stock in of the models that people like. And, and not having however many million Surface tablets sitting around <laughs> going unsold. Yeah. Have you heard anything about the sales of the Surface 2 that just went on sale? Any demand for them? What? I haven't. I, I can tell you anecdotally that's not something I have people saying, hey, should I get this? The, the Surface did not, for all of the hype and all of the, the initial really glowing advanced PR it got from that event where people could put their hands on it for like 30 seconds. Um, yeah, that's got to be the biggest flop of last year. And the, the Surface 2... Yeah, no. I mean, I am interested in all of the the new Windows 8 desktop, well, not desktop, but x86 Windows 8 convertible laptops where you've got something that is about the weight of a MacBook Air and you can fold it up and use it as a tablet, which I think is a good, not that you're going to walk around using it, but for instance, a lot of the time you're using a laptop on the coffee table or on the plane and it's just in a consumption read-only mode. And to me, being able to fold up the tablet 
and just use this touchscreen interface, that's the same basic use case that Apple was trying to address with Front Row, whatever happened to that. And for that matter, Media Center and Windows, where you just want a simple interface, where you just want to like listen to some music or just browse the web or flip through pictures, and you don't need all this other Chrome on the screen. But convertible notebooks have been around for a while, and they really haven't grabbed the attention. Maybe because they're too expensive? Yeah, but that price gap is, is lowering, and now there's so many coming on the market. You know, I, I really think in that case, the, the concept was just way ahead of time. Because, I mean, what I saw at IFA uh, in September in Berlin, there's some really interesting stuff being done. Not all of it is good. Some of these look a little flimsy. I look at these hinges and think, how many times is this going to get open and closed before something gets loose? But some of them look pretty sharp. All right, let's move back to Apple here. All right, Mavericks has been out a little over two weeks. We've already seen a fix for iBooks and a fix for Mail. They came out on a Wednesday, so does that mean Apple is now doing Patch Wednesday? <laughs> well, if they would actually have a documented schedule for releasing patches, that would be uh, a good thing for Apple to develop, I think. Never going to happen, not in our lifetimes. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the mail patch was particularly important to me. This is something I wrote about in my USA Today column. Explain Following. to our listeners what this is all about, because it's getting to the wonky kind of aspect, but it's important. Yeah, so all this started, you know, years ago, Gmail offered IMAP synchronization, which unlike POP, post office protocol downloading, where you just get the message from the server and it's on your machine, and then there's really no further communication. There's no, you can't tell on another computer that you uh, flagged it for follow-up or anything. It's just download. Like going to the post office, you get your mail, you take it home. IMAP is synchronization, so you can have multiple folders, and your, your messages are kept in sync on the server and on any other desktop, laptop, smartphone, tablet, you read your mail. It's a good thing if you have more than one machine. So Gmail does IMAP. It's a little wonky because Gmail has this label system which allows one message to exist in two places at the same time. Just to clarify here for people who want to understand, normally with any email system, you set up a separate folder for organization. Say you want your archives or you want something that fits in a particular category like your work email. Well, you move yeah. your work email into a different category. All right, that makes exactly. a lot of sense. So you yeah, set up so a folder. Except with Gmail, you have one all-mail folder, and you use labels or tags to subdivide them, but that's almost like the Mac OS ten Mavericks Finder. <laughs> Although I have to admit, I have not used labels. Aren't they really just the, the rebirth of the, the color tags you could put on files in the Finder in System 7? Yeah, I kind of think so. I don't use them either. I tend to use the Finder tabs. But let's just get back to Gmail. Yeah, so so Gmail, Gmail has its own organizational system. So therefore, when they're using IMAP, which is a very hard-coded system, they have to kind of play loose and fast? Well, there was basically just one change you needed to make to have Gmail and Mail coexisting pretty well, which is hide the all-mail label from your, your desktop client. And once you do that, then it works pretty much as you would expect, as, as if a Gmail label was an actual folder. You know, there, there are ways things get a little confusing. The, the replied and forward states, if you reply or forward in Gmail, at some point, maybe this is just in my system, I, I cannot count on that showing up in mail. But certainly if I flag a message in mail, it shows up as starred in Gmail. If I start in Gmail, it's flagged in mail. So, so far, so good. It's been working fine for years through multiple releases of OS X. In Mavericks, they change it. 
such that if you had all mail hidden, trying to delete a message from your inbox or move it from your inbox results in it magically reappearing there after you restart mail. And there was no documentation of this. And, you know, Apple, this is not how you want to run a business. No surprise, this should be the start of good customer service. So you have this dysfunctionality and then there's no advance notice. So Joe Kissel over at Tidbits wrote a long post, updated multiple times, documenting the problem relating what happens when you, the fix for this was to make the all mail label visible to IMAP, which means suddenly you're downloading just about every single message in your Gmail account, which could be gigabytes of data. And in some cases that gets you locked out of your Gmail account because Google sees this as some unauthorized access. Just a mess all around. So basically, maybe Apple tried to do something clever. I'm just Don't thinking know. here. And in the end, it ended up being foolish. Yeah, there was, there was some commentary afterwards um, uh, on Twitter after I you know, documented this in my USA Today column. Well, is this a bug? Is it a feature? And my thinking was, you know, once 9to5Mac revealed that Apple was working on a, a quick patch for mail, that no, this was not an intended result. It was a bug. Because also in iOS... You know, you don't have this problem. The, the iOS mail app is kept on trucking along with Gmail IMAP, where there's no confusion over, you know, you don't have duplicates or magically reappearing messages. And now we have this mail update for Mavericks, shipped out Wednesday, fixes the problem. Now with all mail hidden, things work as they did before. So maybe they were trying to ensure that people who had all mail visible would, would have it sort of show up satisfactorily under the archives heading. I don't know, because they've never documented that. Apple did give me a heads up that this mail update would be coming around. But what they were trying to accomplish remains a mystery. There was another problem you had with the Mavericks release of mail, the unread message counts. And yes, it would always had, be off. It would never be consistent. And they have fixed that. At least they've taken care good. of that problem. Now, I have another question about mail for Mavericks that may be, again, very wonky for people to understand. Of course, we have with an IMAP mailbox, you have folders that you can subscribe to. So therefore, you can, in theory, unsubscribe to a folder and not see it. However, it appears that feature is no longer usable in Mail Mm. for Mavericks. You can bring up your folder subscription list but it never shows anything. Or maybe I'm missing something. We have Rob Pegarero. We're happy to always have him on. We miss him when he's not here. Now, one more thing. I don't know if you know this. I suspect a lot of our listeners don't. And that is that we have a message board system. We have forums for the Tech Night How Live. It's free to join. There's even a version that you can download from iOS App Store and the Google Play Store. So you can send and receive messages from a mobile device. It's the Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technighthowl.com, forum.technighthowl.com. Pay us a visit. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here.
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. A healthy digestive system supports a healthy immune system. And a healthy immune system protects you against infections and disease. Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse, available at Terraganics.com, is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic and is gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM1 contains three groups of beneficial microbes and enzymes to cleanse and remove toxins, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, and aids in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, is non-GMO, has all-natural certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is never freeze-dried. Pro-EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM1, the raw probiotic. Welcome back to Get Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. Rob Pegarero of USA Today and other places is here to set us straight. So I was talking about OS X Mail for Mavericks. There's a feature fix, a bug fix update fixes the Gmail all-mail problem, the inadequate unread counts. But then we also have this other issue where, say, you don't want to display a folder on your IMAP mailbox, and you could bring up account info, and there'd be a subscription list. But the subscription list never seems to update, in my example. Mm. What's going on here? You know, now that you mention it, that window um, appears totally blank on my machine as well. You know, the, all the mailboxes I, I want to see, I'm seeing. So in that sense, it's fine. I don't know. Maybe we'll leave that window open. Sometimes these windows, these dialogues take a moment to populate. But no, that, um, huh. Isn't that interesting? It's got a subscribe and unsubscribe feature. Now, maybe they'll save that for, and It's know, also ten- showing a blank for uh, iCloud IMAP. Yeah, I've tried several different IMAP accounts. I've tried mine for my server. I've tried Outlook.com, which also supports IMAP now. That's Microsoft's. Very recent edition. Very recent edition. I tried iCloud as you did. I tried AOL. I didn't get it to work. All right, so we assume something's broken here. Okay, let's take a look at email in general. We look at Gmail. Gmail is complicated. Gmail has 1,001 features, some of which are these lab-tested features that you may or may not ever care about. 
And we have at the other side of the coin, we have the service formerly known as Hotmail, Outlook.com, which inherits Hotmail. It's a very simple, basic interface inspired by Windows 8. And I'm wondering here, does it make sense maybe to give up on Gmail if you want free email and go to Outlook? Outlook.com, I have to I have to give that credit for being the most improved webmail service. When it went when it changed from well, first it was Hotmail, then it was Live, then it was Windows Live Hotmail. They were doing brand uh, bingo for a while there. Uh, Outlook.com, a much nicer interface. The, they came with the concept of you know sweeping aside marketing messages, which Google then copied effectively with Gmail tabs. Uh, the big problem it had for a while was you had no way to get your Outlook.com messages in a regular mail client on a Mac unless you went with Pop, which, as I mentioned before, makes my skin crawl. And that's because although Mail for OS X supports, they don't support Exchange Active Sync, which is not something that's super obvious from the dialogues until you realize that you had no way to sync an Outlook.com account. IMAP Access solves that. One other thing I like about Outlook.com is if you don't want to see ads in your webmail, it's 20 bucks a year to buy your way out of it. The price for that at Yahoo, which has also recently improved a lot, is 50 bucks. Gmail, you can't. You can set up a Google Apps account under your own domain name and pay 50 bucks a year to get out of the ads on that. But there, there's no way to buy out of the ads in Gmail proper. And by the way, you only see the ads if you go online. So if you use an email client, you could use Outlook or even Gmail to the end of time and never worry about the ads. Or you can use uh, the Gmail offline app in Chrome, and that itself doesn't show ads. Plus, of course, you have access to the last month of your Gmail offline. And that's that's a real advantage. I mean, one thing I do like about Gmail is Google continues to iterate and, you know, add features like that. And, of course, their, their security record is great. They were, uh, you know, the, the first webmail service, the ma- first major one to have encryption throughout your entire session, not just over your login. Um, you know, they've been working very hard to stay ahead of the NSA. And it's been interesting to see how on Google Plus, individual Google engineers have been expressing some real anger over the revelation that the NSA has been hacking into their communications between data centers, which now Google is encrypting as well, which is a lot of effort on their part. What is Microsoft doing with Outlook, do you know? Well, Outlook, they've, uh, you know, they made session-wide encryption the default little after Google, but before Yahoo, and that's a good step as well. But now catching up in terms of two-step verification, which was something that Google did first, now Microsoft and Yahoo are doing. I like the competitive dynamic we're seeing here, where for a while, Gmail was doing a lot of innovative things, and Outlook and especially Yahoo Mail were just sitting there, just sitting as they were coasting. And now there's a lot of activity at both of these companies. That, that leaves... You know, iCloud, I like the fact that it's it's free IMAP sync, it's ad-free, but, you know, I, I can't use my own domain name with that? Come on. And that's just because Apple has set their SMTP, their outgoing mail server, to refuse to send an iCloud message if it doesn't have an Apple domain name on it. Can you do that with Outlook, use your own domain? Yes. Yeah, okay. Outlook.com, that's a free feature. It's There's a little wonkiness attached to doing it. Same thing as in a Google account. With Yahoo, you have to pay for a business account, which is something like it's some nominal fee per month, but not like free. So you, how would you do it? Where would you go to add your domain to Outlook to use it? I forget exactly where. I was looking this up because I, you know, I want to keep my options open. 
it is, I think if you just Google Outlook.com custom domain name, Microsoft has instructions on it. It's a matter of you need to tinker with some settings on your domain registrar, and there's a setting or two to change in Outlook as well since you want to change your reply address. So it's not showing up as yourdomain.com by way of Outlook.com. But All right, of course. Definitely doable. <laughs> right. So, therefore, if you have a domain, it's registered with Namecheap. For example, one of those places, they give you a place to change what's called your DNS settings and your email settings, and you got to do a little flakiness there, but it can be done. Yeah. Yeah. And the advantage is then you have this address that's, you know, yours for life and it's a little more personal. But any of these services are better than sticking with your ISP's mail and then having to change your address if you move or get tired of your internet provider. But I noticed that the. ISPs are supporting IMAP now. I know yeah, you mentioned does. that in email before. I mentioned CenturyLink. I noticed that. They don't advertise it. I just happened to look at the settings and I said, wait, Cox has IMAP? Oh, CenturyLink has IMAP? Obviously, they're not the largest ISPs in the country, but it shows a trend. Well, it's about time. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to look around. That That is a welcome trend because, yeah, I mean, come on, guys. Server space is cheap. You, you can't say we can't do IMAP because it's going to cost us too much disk space. That's basically free. And yeah, Pop stinks. I hate using that. I I have like maybe one account I can access by Pop just for test purposes. That's about it. All right, there we go with that. Just very quickly here. Overall, OS 10.9 Maverick's been a pretty good update. Not a lot of serious bugs. Aside from the mail thing, you know, there's. There's a separate set of gripes people have about iWork, which have gotten serious enough that, you know, Apple did something uh, really kind of insane, which was comment on an unreleased product. They posted a tech support note saying, here's the features we're going to add back to iWork. So, you know, please don't fire our app, which is crazy. Apple never (laughs) telegraphs their intentions like that. Oh, well. Yeah. Very quickly here. iOS 7. There was an article at USA Today saying it was one of the most bug-ridden upgrades ever, but they were quoting a consultant who worked for Google and Samsung. That didn't work well. Well, I can tell you I've gotten a fair amount of complaints about it. Some of them were, the one thing I didn't foresee was that some people wouldn't have actual motion sickness from the animations, which I think are kind of neat. And in iOS 7.0.3, there's this reduced motion setting that now basically nulls out all of the the visual special effects. So icons stay fixed and there's no funky zooming animations. Uh, There's another one of slow performance where, you know, there are various things you can do to try to make iOS 7 a little lighter on its feet. But it appears also that one possible fix was some crazy settings change about... um, like iCloud Sync, like not Sync related at all, which is weird and kind of sloppy. Um, you know, buggier than past ones. I mean, I would say the the buggiest iOS releases have been the ones where it wasn't Apple's fault, but when you had to, you know, load the new software on your iPhone and then reactivate it, AT&T couldn't keep up. And so the result is you would start the day with a phone running an old operating system and then end it with an iPod Touch <laughs> running a new operating system that you could not use as a phone. iOS 7 hasn't been that bad in part because now the iPhone user base is distributed and it's not just one carrier that couldn't handle the load. All right. We got to wrap it here. Rob Pegarero, where do we find more of your stuff? You can look me up at robpegarero.com. Uh, you can find me on USA Today. I do a Q&A column every Sunday there. 
Uh, I write about tech policy and other broader economic issues at a site called the Disruptive Competition Project. You can find me do the occasional gadget review at PCMag.com and on Twitter at, at Rob Pegorero. Rob Pegorero, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. You're welcome. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources, Gold and Silver. Government shutdown, inept politicians, entitlements, looming Obamacare. The death of the U.S. dollar as a global reserve currency is what nobody wants to acknowledge. We have a debt bubble that cannot be paid and will eventually crash the dollar. If you're concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together, we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money, and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130, and we'll discuss your options of buying precious metals. Also, I can send you information on how you can roll over your IRA or 401k into a precious metal IRA. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the dollar crashes. Call me, Gary Cooper, at one 800 686 37 extension 130. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. My name's Bruno. I'm 52 years old. I've tried different protein powders over the years, and they've all tasted pretty bad. I tried One World Way and found it to be delicious. After 10 weeks on One World Way, my wife commented, you have more muscles and you're leaner than when you were 20 years old. My body has changed dramatically. I'm a cyclist. Normally, I'll ride two days on and take two days off. After being on One World Way, I rode 10 days in a row in over 100 degree heat, and then I take another two servings of One World Way, and then work out at the gym for another hour and a half. I just couldn't believe these results. My normal muscle tightness and soreness after working out are virtually gone. 
Don't take my word for it. One Row Whey comes in single servings. Just give it a try. For a health and taste sensation you'll love, call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit oneworldway.com. That's oneworld, W-H-E-Y.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We have Kirk McElhern, Macworld's iTunes guy, joining us. A lot of stuff to talk about, but a heavy part about Apple's new OS release, OS X Mavericks, and about the fact that he is a proud new owner of an iPad Air. An iPad Hair. Yes, I got one with hair this time. Give me a head with hair. Yep. Whatever. We'll get into that in a moment. Let's go back to some of the other things. Obviously, there have been comments about... OS X Maverick, some favorable, some unfavorable. And Apple has been answering questions in their tech notes or their knowledge base notes. So, for example, there were criticisms that a number of features of the new versions of iWork, which were released the same day as Mavericks, a number of features were removed, in large part, I gather, to keep files compatible across platforms and to redo the code base. Okay, terrific, wonderful. But now people see, well, wait a minute, there are missing features. In pages, we don't have all the templates and we can't customize a toolbar. And there's not even a vertical ruler. And the way they manage word count is crazy because the word count floats above the page and overlaps the text if you're writing at the yeah, bottom the, of the page. Yeah, that word count thing is hard. Yeah. Can we say it's hard? So Apple puts up a tech note to apologize, basically. Not publicly, like, here's a press release. We're going to fix this. It's a tech note, which means it's on a need-to-know basis. If you look for it, you find it. Well, there's two ways you can find them. One is you can stumble on them, but the other is there's an RSS feed that you can subscribe to 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 see all of the new and updated technical notes, which is what I do, because you get a lot of interesting information from them. I understand. So, again, it's a need-to-know basis. And, of course... Safari no longer supports RSS, so you can't even find it unless you use a third-party RSS reader. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, what, what you're leading to is that this technical note essentially says, here's what's not in pages, numbers, and keynote that we're going to put back in the next six months. Um, what they say is that these applications were rewritten from the ground up to be fully 64-bit and to support a unified file format between OS X and iOS 7, as you said, as well as our work for iCloud Beta. So instead of rejiggering the existing code, they started over, and they got short of time, and they couldn't do everything. Now, some of the things that they didn't do surprised me, like customizing the toolbar, which is pretty basic in every app. Um, the vertical ruler is a little bit odd. Um, there's no keyboard shortcuts for styles and pages, or some of the existing transitions in Keynote don't exist. So if you've got presentations, let's say you've got dozens of presentations for your business, and you're using a specific transition that doesn't exist, 
I guess it goes back to the default. I guess it's a wipe. I think it's probably the default transition. And you'll have to redo everything if you don't want to use that transition. But they did come out and in a style that we're not used to seeing from Apple say, okay, here's what we're going to do in the future. They, they in the past, they would never tell us anything like this. They, would even, they wouldn't respond to criticism generally. But here they came out and they said, here's what we're going to do. And they give a list of oh, about 20-odd features between the three apps that they're going to be adding. Um, now, one of the problems is you can't use files. Once you've opened and saved files in the new apps, you can't go back to the old ones. Now, if you've updated from iWork 09, you'll have noticed on your Mac that you have both the new apps and the old ones. It doesn't delete the old ones. But once you've opened and saved the files, you can't open them in the older versions. So if you haven't yet started opening your 1,200 keynote presentations and found that something doesn't work, don't open them in the new version of Keynote. Make a copy of one, open the new version, see what doesn't work, and be prepared to use the old version for another few months. Or maybe don't bother. Don't drive yourself crazy. If you have a lot of documents that are more than simple documents that depend on some of the more advanced features of iWork, don't bother with the new version for a while unless you need to have compatibility across platforms, iCloud.com, and your iPad and your iPhone? Well, let me give you an example of something that's not even, that doesn't depend on particular types. You said you have simple documents. Um, you know, In numbers, they've moved the formula bar to the bottom of the window. And this can make it pretty easy, pretty difficult to enter formulas if you're moving around in a document. Not only is it at the bottom of the window, but it doesn't have returns in it. Um, previously, the numbers formula bar, you would add different cells, and if it got too wide for the window, it would return, and the formula bar would get higher to fill up. So you could have three or four lines in the formula bar. And now you can't. You've got to scroll horizontally through this. So you may not actually have complicated documents, but you may have some numbers documents with long formulas. You, you may find that if you need to edit the formulas, it's really complicated in the new version of numbers compared to the old one. So in making it simple, they made it complex. Well, in making it simple, they took away what was probably a useful way of working with the app. It's not even complex. It's simply that they just changed the way the app displays things in a way that's not great. Hmm. All right, so we expect we'll see things fixed. Let's move on to some other topics here. Again, we have issues where we learn more from the tech notes Restore missing ebooks to iBooks app. What's this all about? Um, when Mavericks was released, it included the new iBooks app. Um, this was the first time it was available for OS X. We've had it for quite some time on iOS. And when you launched iTunes, you would find that your books, your ebooks, um, were no longer in iTunes. Um, when you launched iBooks, you would find that this was now your ebook library. Um, launching iBooks would cause all of your books to be moved from your iTunes media folder to a, a somewhat hidden folder inside your user's library folder. And I got a lot of emails from people who had lost books, and in some cases, hundreds of books. Um, they simply couldn't find them. Apple issued an update on, I think, Wednesday of the week that we're recording this. You, this show is on Saturday, right? This show is on Saturday. 
So they issued an, uh, an update, a 1.01 update to iBooks on Wednesday of this week. And one of the features that they didn't mention but that was mentioned in a tech note is that if you haven't found all of your books in iBooks, um, you can re-import them into iBooks. So you open the iBooks app, you choose File and then Move Books from iTunes, and the app will find books that it didn't find before. And in my case, there were two books that hadn't been imported, and it found them, and it imported them. So I had 141 books. Um, 139 got imported the first time, and two more um, got imported the second time. So if you've had problems with e-books, um, get the iBooks update, choose File, Move Books from iTunes, and it should pick up all of your books and bring them into the iBooks library. Of course, it would be nice to have a nice big dialogue box somewhere explaining this so they don't have to find your post on it or some Apple technical note. Apple needs to be more forthcoming about communication, especially with a new operating system where there are going to be glitches. We never have glitches when we talk to Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. Curious about what comes next? Next is the feeling of vulnerability you get after you arrive home to discover your house has been ransacked by burglars. Fool the bad guys with a new improved fake TV. You asked for it, we listened, and we made our new fake TV three times brighter than our previous model. The brightness of our new fake TV is equivalent to a 40-inch TV. It simulates the color and motion of a real TV while you're away from home. And when burglars think someone is home watching television, they're likely to pass your house and move on to an easier target. The new, brighter Fake TV is only $39.95 and includes free shipping. Go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. That's 877-532-5388 or go to faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. 
We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. These days, so many suffer from heartburn, stomach ulcers, and acid reflux. And most never realize it is the high acidity within the body that causes their discomfort. While selective diet choices can help, AlkaVision Plasma pH drops can really make a change. A few drops added to water can optimize your body's pH level, ridding you of harmful waste and acid, promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Healthy pH levels make all the difference. High acidity can also cause depression, insomnia, and irritability. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops bring you vital balance that can be truly life-changing. Alkalizing boosts immune response, reduces headaches and cramping, and even helps prevent bone loss. This is simple science that helps your body do what's natural. Order your AlkaVision pH Drops for just $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So we're looking into the new stuff that Apple released on the 22nd of October, OS X Mavericks. New editions of iPhoto and GarageBand and Pages, Numbers and Keynote. And missing features and all that stuff. And Apple, of course, failing to communicate all this stuff. So with the iWork issues, they post a tech note. And then the media picks up on it and says, Apple posts tech note. Here's a story. Here's what Apple is promising. But, of course, Apple could have released a press release. Well, they're not going to release a press release to say, you know, we screwed up and we're going to fix something. So a tech note seems to me appropriate for that. A press release is for things you want to trumpet and say, hey, I'm great. You don't want to do press releases for, hey, we're not so great, and we've got to catch up. But as we said earlier, these tech notes do contain a lot of interesting information. Um, you can find out about things that don't work and workarounds for them. And as you say, they're not that easy to find if you don't look on Apple's support site, it gets a little bit complicated um, to find the kind of information you need here, which is why you need, you know, people like you and me and Macworld and other websites which report this information because we're keeping our eyes open for it. Well, maybe it's Apple's way of cooperating with us. They give us room and space to report these things rather than hire somebody to do it themselves. We do Apple's work. 
Yeah, well, they wouldn't do that. And none of these companies really, no tech company really has that kind of communication. You know, one of the exceptions is uh, Microsoft, which has their own publishing arm called Microsoft Press. Um, Did you ever do any books for Microsoft Press? No. No, I did one about a dozen years ago um, about the first version of Office for Mac, and they have a very, very big publishing arm. Apple used to publish some books on their own way back when, and then they published a technical series with Peach Pit, which I think they're still publishing. But Microsoft is really a company that does an awful lot of documentation like that. Of course, there's so much Microsoft documentation that it's hard to find anything. Of course, Microsoft, we don't expect to find anything there. Well, when you need it and you look for it, as you've certainly seen over the years, it's very hard to find things on Microsoft's um, documentation website. Again, they're trying to do the same thing, keep the tech media in business. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. We, we could look at it that way if you want. Overall, with OS Ten Mavericks, how's your experience been? Um, Did you encounter the weird stuff that went on with regard to Gmail? No, I don't. I use Gmail minimally. I have a Gmail account, and I only use it for a couple of things. Um, I, I don't depend on Gmail. I've never wanted to trust Gmail. I think email is far too important to entrust to a third party. Um, I have my mail is hosted on the the service that hosts my website. Um, I also have a uh, an iCloud account, but that's not for my essential mail. So, no, I did have some problem um, with mail in the beginning. My smart mailboxes weren't working too well, and I had to re-index everything with Spotlight, but that sorted it out. Um, overall, to be very honest, I haven't really noticed that Mavericks is very different from Mountain Lion. With the exception of the tabbed finder, um, the iBooks app... It really isn't that different. There's certainly a lot going on under the hood. Um, There are some subtle changes to Safari. But overall, um, it seems to me like the same OS as before. Well, that's at least good. Well, it's good that I'm not surprised in dealing with bugs and all that sort of stuff. Um, It's always reassuring that you get something that doesn't break. You know, you and me both, we've got a certain workflow for things we do for the the tools we use. Um, And if they started breaking and not working, we'd be a little bit disappointed. So, you know, it might actually be that one of the best things you can say um, about an operating system update is that it works and it's not a problem. What about iOS 7? Um, You know, we talked about the, the, the visual aspects of it. When, they fixed that pretty much, though. Well, they didn't fix it, it, but I've gotten used to I mean, in the beginning... Yeah, but the, the iOS 7.0.3 update, if you select reduce motion, it eliminates zooming no, no, and eliminates I'm, I'm parallax. Ta- yeah, no, that's fine. I'm talking about the overall um, look of iOS 7. You know, it was shocking at first with the flat icons. The colors are sometimes a bit bright, um, but I've gotten used to it. And there's not really anything that doesn't work. The only problem I have is, um, what is it, the control center thing that slides up from the bottom? Um, I often end up activating this when I'm scrolling up a web page from the bottom of the screen, either on my iPhone or my iPad. And I find that a little bit annoying that it's just the way you activate it um, 
is the problem. I, I notice my girlfriend is constantly hitting that when she's scrolling up from the bottom of a web page too. Um, so there's something that they didn't really get right there in terms of the way people work um, with these devices. Well, the problem is, where do you bring it up? Do you bring it down? Do you bring it up? You see, the solution with Android is to stick everything in one notification panel with your control center settings, and there it's so easy because you'll tend to bring your notification panel down more often than you would control center. You accidentally turn off services. So I still think it's a whole lot better than the Android version. It could be, you know, I don't have an Android phone. Um, although, you know, I was actually thinking, um, one of the providers here in the UK is starting to sell unlocked phones for like 50 pounds. And one of them is a Samsung Galaxy something. So it's some sort of Android. And I was thinking of getting one just for the fun of it, um, get a prepaid SIM and just see how it works. Cause I've never used an Android phone. So it would be an interesting experience. It is. It's kind of a wake-up call because you're used to certain things working in a certain way. And superficially, Android looks very much like iOS. But when you start using it, it's a lot different. One thing is that it's kind of like the Mac versus Windows issue, where with Android, there are a whole lot more settings and not all those settings are defaults. So a lot of the things you're used to on the iOS to get similar functions on Android, you've got to drill deep, not just into its own preferences or settings app, but in each individual app that you're using. Yeah. But, I, you know, I've got some friends who have Android phones, and they've shown me what it's like. Um, you know, I've seen I, I've seen some of the interesting keyboards that you get with Android. I don't know what this one is called, where you just kind of swipe instead of typing. That's it's got what a it's really called, good, the swipe keyboard. And they actually keyboard. have that on the iOS, but the problem is it doesn't integrate with the OS. It basically, you type something, you got to get involved in you some copy kind of copy-paste yeah. kind of routine. Whereas with Android, they allow other input options to be part of the system. Apple sandboxes it, so I guess they'd have to work out some deal with Apple to allow it. Yep. I couldn't get used to swipe, honestly. Well, a friend of mine showed me how quick it is to type. Um, You know, we're used to typing generally with two thumbs or just one. I guess it takes a while to get used to it, um, to swipe and to make it, – it's muscle memory, it's habit. Instead of tapping, you're swiping. I, I like the concept, though. I saw it, and I was very impressed with what he was able to do as, as quickly as he was. And the autocorrect worked very well, and it learns from what you type, apparently. Um, so that's, that's a pretty interesting um, – I, I think Apple could learn – from that sort of thing, instead of having a single keyboard to give people options, now they either have to design their own or they have to license something. Um, and maybe they don't want to license that particular one or, you know, there's patents that prevent them from possibly creating something similar. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the keyboard itself is something that could definitely be improved. We have Kirk McElhern the iTunes guy from Macworld. In the next segment, we'll talk about his new iPad Air, not iPad Hair. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you- 
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these specials. A 14 by 21 foot shop for under 6000 or a 50 by 100 for under 30000 You heard right. That's 5000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months. 
simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. You know, when people sing the song from here, the title song, you know how old they are because they remember it. Kirk McElhern joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Now, let me preface this final segment of the show. My son Grayson currently has a MacBook on which everything's been replaced, by the way. I think just the bottom You've of the case. You've told the story of that MacBook so many times. Right. I mean, it's got like one part. So he's trying to keep it till he gets his graduate degree. And then he mm. says, you know what? I am going to get an iPad. You have an iPad Air. What do you think? Is he right? You mean to replace the MacBook? Absolutely. His next computer will be an iPad. Huh. That's an interesting idea. It depends on what he does. Um, I couldn't do the work I do with just an iPad. But, you know, we were at the stage some years ago that you'd buy a laptop and it would do everything you wanted. And people would buy a laptop and they'd use 10% of its features and CPU and all that. And now a tablet, be it an iPad or, or another tablet, um, actually works fairly well um, to do most of what you want to do. Now, there may still be a few things he can't do on it. And, of course, one of the big things is you can't put files on it very easily. So that, to me, would be one of the big questions. If he's got a big music library, video library, and all that, you've still got to sync it from another device which could just be his old MacBook. It would, it would certainly work if he's just using that to store his library. It's entirely possible for some people if what they're doing is web and email and games and simple apps or even some more advanced productivity apps, um, you can do pretty much, you can do a lot on a tablet these days. You can do an awful lot. You know, it's, it really depends on each individual person's usage as to whether people can um, do everything they need or not. The issue is definitely his music library. He has a fairly large one, but that could be stored in the cloud. Well, if he's got um, iTunes Match, he's in Spain, right? Yes, he is. I don't know if they have iTunes Match there. Um, I know they do in France and, and the UK. If he's got iTunes Match there and he's got less than 25,000 tracks, then that's entirely possible. All right. He does have less than 25,000 tracks. Okay. It's possible. I would say it's worth looking into. Um, I just looked it up. I think there is an iTunes match in Spain. Okay. And he may be coming back to the U.S. in a year or two, so that issue may not be even relevant. By the time he gets his degree, if he comes back here, then it's not going to be an issue for him. Right. Well, you know, uh, you can do a lot with a tablet. Really, again, it depends on each person and what they want to do. If you get a tablet and you give up your laptop or your desktop and you start finding things that you're missing, well, then you'll just know that the tablet's not enough for you. Maybe it's that simple. He doesn't have to throw out the MacBook. What he could do is get the iPad of the time that he's buying it, which I assume would be next year. So we assume next year's model of an iPad Air, for example. 
would mm-hmm. be possibly suitable for him. He has a 13-inch MacBook Pro, so it wouldn't be that big a come down. In fact, yeah. the screen would be sharper. In fact, it'll probably be faster by then. Right now, I heard that the A7 chip that we have in the iPad Air, the iPhone 4S, the new iPad Mini with Retina Display, the A7 chip is equivalent to, say, one of the early Mac notebooks with Intel inside. So maybe it's about five, six years behind, but they're catching up. Well, I don't know how you benchmark that because one of the differences is you've got your retina display, so that's using a certain amount of RAM, and that's going to slow up the processor as well. You're doing all kinds of different things. You'd have to compare app for app and, and see how it is. I've never had a problem with any app on an iPad. Now, I've, I've had, um, for each successive version of the iPad, I've, I've had new models. I've always either handed down or sold the previous one. And I don't play the kind of games that require high frame rates. Um, but I've never seen anything that is particularly slow on an iPad. Well, one um, thing it does is it teaches developers how to program efficiently because the resources are so constrained. You know, you well, that doesn't mean that they will program computer, efficiently. You know, it's all about software upload. As the computers get more powerful, you... I mean, of course, the same thing is going to happen. But the starting point is like everything's coming back to the beginning. Yeah. Again, I, I don't know. You know, one of the things is that there's less interaction on iOS than there is on OS ten. But I have... You're, you're talking about stuff that I don't know, you know, what the actual development is. All I really know is that I don't have any problems as far as speed is concerned. Um, now, on the other hand, the, the iPad Air, I find that the difference in weight is striking. Compared to my iPad Mini, which I got last year and I've been using for a year, um, it's a tiny bit heavier, and I don't notice it because of the size of the display. Um, and what I'm able to do now that I wasn't really able to do on the Mini is to read magazines. So many magazines, newsstand magazines, don't let you change the font size. And, you know, I'm, my eyes aren't great. So even with reading glasses on the Mini, uh, not having a retina display, it's not that crisp and the fonts are a little bit tiny. And now I'm happily reading on the iPad Air. Um, the, the retina display is just wonderful. Um, the weight of the device is impressive. Um, it's a tad smaller than the previous one in terms of you know width and, and height and all that. Um, so I'm, I'm actually quite happy with this. I'll be happier when it gets even a little bit lighter in another two generations. Um, I'll be happier when they manage to make it a little bit smaller because they can. Um, or they make, well, I don't think they'll make the screen bigger. I think they'll make the bezel smaller. And they'll keep telling us, oh, it's, you know, 0.75 millimeters thinner than last year, and it's 7% lighter, and they're going to hit us with those incremental changes. But they're, they're on their way to something in a few years that'll be nice and thin and light. Um, and I'm you'll be right able now. to, let me do this, and you'll be able to fold it. Yeah, that I don't believe. You don't I'm believe holding in foldable. Right now. Isn't Samsung supposed to be coming out with a foldable smartphone? Who knows? <laughs> They're supposed to come up with a, one with a curved display. I know that. Wouldn't it be interesting, though, if you can take your iPad, it's a 9.7-inch screen, but you fold it in half and stick it in your back pocket, maybe it would work. 
I'm sure that in 10 or 15 years, we'll have a tablet that's about the thickness of, what would it be, a thin piece of plastic, basically. And that the electronics will just be a tiny thing at the end. Although, eh, battery, you know, battery's still the, the big constraint here. Um, but I'm sure we'll have something like that in, in the future. I'd like to see one that um, gets solar power. So the battery charges during the day from ambient light. I think that would be great. Um, well, they had a keyboard from Logitech that did that. I've got one in here. I haven't used it lately. Yeah, I don't like to touch yet. on it. But picks but up ambient a key- light. A keyboard uses very little power. Um, right. So and obviously, they have to have new technologies and displays to be more power efficient. But probably you'd have a hybrid system, you know, where you'd have it a small be battery. Solar. Yeah. And a solar system, so you'd have a little bit of both. In theory, then, if you make it efficient enough, the thing could last virtually forever without having to run out of juice because it's always got a light. As long as you don't run it in the dark, it's always going to work for you. I have no idea what we're talking about. I do know that I'm going to ask Kirk McElhern one more question. Where can we find more of the stuff that you do? You can stop by my website, Kirkville. It's McElhern.com. Uh, M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com, and you can find me quite often over at Macworld. Where he is the iTunes guy and does all sorts of other gigs, a lot of stuff. You can find us on Twitter, and maybe some of you are going to make money from Twitter now that they had their IPO. I don't know. I still wonder about the money for that thing, but we're there. We're known as Tech Night Owl. That's Tech Night Owl on Twitter. You go to technightowl.com, you find our portal, and we've got another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And we're going to feature Colin Andrews, who will talk about crop circles and his friendship with the late rock and roller Reg Presley of the Trogs. Yes, all that and more at Paracast.com. Here on the Tech Night Owl Live, Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me again, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.